Hi, and welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Rachel. Y'all, I'm super excited today. I have one of my dear friends and mentors, Jamie McCallum, who's been so gracious to give us some of her time today. Jamie is the pastor of Belfair Community Church in Belfair, Washington. So you're probably wondering, how on earth do you have a friend all the way in the Pacific Northwest? And Jamie and I met in Waco, Texas, when she was mentoring me at First Baptist Church. And so a lot of the the ways I think about ministry and the ways that I do youth come from Jamie. So whatever you don't like about me, there you go. It's on you, Jamie. Uh, just kidding. But um, so, Jamie, welcome. Thanks. Good to be with you. Thank you. Well, um, I just want to tell our people, too, that Jamie's preaching has some of the most genuine passion and inspiring hope that I have ever heard in preaching. Um, she has a tone that is unique and that just draws you into the message and you're just hanging on every word. She's so Christ-centered and I think just fills your spirit with scripture and you leave feeling nourished and up uplifted. So she has lots of her sermons on their church website. Is that Belfort Community Church? It is, yeah, belfortcommunitychurch.org. Org. Yeah. So if you have more time after this and you want to listen to her sermons, I highly recommend um, you doing that. She loves her people fiercely and sacrifices her life daily for them, constantly demonstrating the love of Jesus to them. So Jamie, yeah. would you just give us a, a little bit of a picture of your church, what kind of people worship there and maybe what God is doing in your midst right now? Yeah. So um, Belfair Community Church is an American Baptist church. Um, Belfair is on the Olympic Peninsula, which is west of Seattle. So people are like, is there anything west of Seattle? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like a whole peninsula. Um, and so it's a bit rural, um, more kind of blue collar. Uh, it's about an hour and a half um, across the water from Seattle, but completely not Seattle. <laughs> so um, low income town, um, lots of folks who are just barely making it economically. Um, lots of stories of generational um, a drug addiction, abuse, just folks that have lived some hard lives and been exposed to lots of hard things, um, and just kind of a, a gritty little community. Hmm. Um, a lot of people would say about Belfair, we're in, we're in the forest, um, and a lot of people originally came to Belfair to run from something because they kind of wanted to be hmm. off the grid. And I wanted to be left alone. And so um, lots of folks who, I mean, metaphorically uh, are kind of hiding, you know, mm -hmm. not really the ones in the center of making decisions and being known and being seen, uh, just folks kind of making it week to week. Uh, and so that's kind of welfare, lots of, um, lots of struggles, uh, lots of folks whose education is more just everyday life stuff, um, not a big value on higher education. Um, I'd say, I'd say in our church right now, of say 120, 130 Sunday mornings, um, 10 or less have, you know, anything beyond high school degree. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just people that haven't maybe had a lot of opportunities. Like we would see opportunities. They've learned, they learn who God is in other ways and sometimes mm -hmm. in more real ways. Um, being the Northwest, 
uh, we're not the Bible Belt. Yeah. <laughs> um, the whole whole West side of the U.S. Um, you know doesn't have the history of faith. Even even the East Coast. You, you know, there's not. It's rather unchurched right now. But there's this foundation of of faith that goes way back. But the West never had that. They were really people mm-hmm. running from um, from the tradition, from the um, institution, and so. Uh, we've got lots of folks in this area that just have zero background, zero foundation of faith. They're not mad at the church. They just don't have any thought about the church at all. They're not people that were believers and ran away. Um, They've just never been. And so my church is comprised over half, maybe even three quarters um, of first generation Christians. Um, They're the first ones in their families to know Jesus, to follow him to be growing as his disciples um and so it's a colorful place it's totally a come as you are church Mm -hmm. Um, we say it in our tagline and we actually mean it i mean (laughs) last sunday we had people in pajama pants and people (laughs) you know button-up shirts and everything in between Mm -hmm. Uh, my first week on the job i think i heard more bad language in the church office than like in my entire life up until then combined (laughs) i mean it is just um it's it's messy it's gritty Um, but lo and behold, Jesus shows up in these very real places where people mm-hmm. are really living life and some hard life tends to be where Jesus makes his presence known. Um, wow. his, we celebrate his grace a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, so what, what he's up to these days, uh, it's always this work of transformation, salvation. Uh, a lot of folks that live with a lot of shame, um, for, past mistakes for broken relationships, for addictions that mm-hmm. caused so many bridges to be burned and just the feelings of worthlessness that come with poverty and addiction. Um, and we are a church of people that deeply believe in the love and the grace of God. And that I, I hope and pray that that's the message that is heard every Sunday, every Wednesday, every in-between day. And um, it turns out we can't over preach, over share the love mm. of God. And the more that the more that people hear that they're seen, they're known, God's not mad at you. God's not ashamed mm. of you. He loves you. His arms are open. He's got a home for you. Um, healing, healing is, is what happens. And that's what we see. I mean, we see a lot of brokenness, a lot of hardship, and right beside it, a lot of healing and a lot mm. of forgiveness and transformation and they go hand in hand some days we take three steps back and some days mm-hmm. we take half a step forward you know but yeah uh, but that's a little picture of life in Belfair wow that's broken and beautiful yeah <laughs> wow that's really good so how long have you been serving as pastor at Belfair Community Church I came in August of 2015 so this okay. August will be six years Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and it's been a totally different experience from maybe some of the other places that you ministered, but you you had told me at one point it reminded you in a way of the international mission field. Do you still see those connections now? Yeah, um, and mostly because of this being kind of a first generation generation kind of place, it feels like the Spirit of God is doing something fresh and Mm. something new here that maybe hasn't happened before. And it's not like we're seeing just droves of people come to Christ, um, but we are seeing long-term generational patterns of dysfunction Mm -hmm. 
being overturned and people in the power of Jesus choosing another way. And that feels, I, I saw that in Texas for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I almost had to go looking for it. And it's more because of the context I was ministering in. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of come as you are churches in Texas and cowboy churches and yeah. all these, you know, that are a bit, a bit more like earthy, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I was in a beautiful, a beautiful, not just structure, but people church, but folks that, um, that were broken, but, but were able to hide their brokenness a lot better. And yeah. so here you just, you see and you feel the spirit doing something new in individuals and in a community of people all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it feels a bit like Acts and mm-hmm. sometimes it feels a bit like Egypt, you know, because I mean, and really <laughs> I was telling my people because I was, I didn't, I didn't mention that earlier. I don't remember from between this and the other one, but, uh, <laughs> but I was two years in the Middle East before seminary and um, originally, I had more culture shock moving to Belfair, Washington than Cairo, mm-hmm. um, because I just wasn't expecting it to be um, so different from mm-hmm. the from the church world I had been grown up in and ministered in. Um, but I was just telling a group in the church last week. I said, you know, when I was in Cairo, um, the statistics were that the population was, you know, 90% unchurched, uh, 90% Muslim, 10% or so Christian. And I said, that's the exact same statistics for Mason County, Washington. Mm. (laughs) I said, we're 90% unchurched. Wow. um, Best. Like that, like I would say probably even more than that. Um, You know, like this is like the frontier of mission. This is where missions organizations see those numbers and like send missionaries to those places, you know. Right. I was like, so congratulations, you guys. Like we are all missionaries. Like that's, Mm. God doesn't have you here on accident. You know, if you, you, sorry, there's a huge plane over my head. (laughs) If you love Jesus and you live in Belfair, it's because God believes that you've got what it takes to be a missionary. Um, because mm-hmm. you live in a town that is over 90%, not just unchurched, but have, don't even really know anything about Jesus. Hmm. Wow. So do you feel that it's life-giving for you getting to be part of telling them, like, yeah, there's this amazing movement going on called the kingdom of God. You probably yes. haven't heard about it. It's, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing here. Yeah, I'm not just trying to convince lifelong believers to like mm. actually care about the poor or whatever, you know, like yeah. or to actually be excited about Easter again. Like it's still yeah. good news. <laughs> um, like I get to share who Jesus is to people who mm-hmm. have never heard and see just the hope overwhelm them that they're not too far gone and they haven't been given up on. Um, it's the best thing in the world. Hmm. Uh, it's heartbreaking when yeah. somebody that you know, that's all they need. That's all they need is to just know how much God loves them, how real Jesus is. And they just, they can't accept it. And they stay in these systems of brokenness. Hmm. Um, it will just tear your heart out. But when, when the light goes on, when the spirit moves and they get it for the first time, there's nothing better. Mm. Um, and, and it makes me, I mean, each Sunday when I'm, you know, preparing the message, there's this great joy and this great burden on my heart because yeah. I'm aware that 
um, whatever, whatever the text is for Sunday, it could be as common as the, you know, as the Christmas story, <laughs> or mm. it could be something really random, like the one from Sunday about Jesus spitting in a blind guy's <laughs> eyes. Like whatever the story is, odds are at least half my congregation has never heard it before. Wow. And so it's like their first introduction to this story. And that's mm. why um, we, I'd preach a whole lot of the gospels. Yeah. And if we don't know anything, we're going to just get to know Jesus really well. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. about the other stuff later, but we got to get to know Jesus first. And so my sermons are very, very Jesus heavy. Mm-hmm. And there's just this joy in getting to introduce people to his stories for the first mm-hmm. time, but also this burden of Jamie, like you've got to put your real time and your heart and your mm-hmm. prayer into this because you don't want to mess this up. Like this is the Jesus yeah. story. They haven't heard five other takes on it. Like what you say, they're going to take it as gospel truth mm-hmm. um, and it better be gospel truth, you know? Yeah. And so there's this sense of humility and just asking, you know, God to guide me and for his grace when I get it wrong. Um, but the same thing that's a great joy is also not a burden, but a huge responsibility. Yeah. When I feel that. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like you're very firm in your calling to ministry right now and just secure and that this is where God wants you to be and you have purpose in the work that you're doing. What did it take for you to get to that point or what are some moments that led you to where you are now? Mm. Yeah. So my is it kind of my calling story yeah yeah um and so my calling story really began when i was just a little bitty girl um Mm. i had parents that loved jesus and i had a grandpa um who was a southern baptist preacher in texas well several texas Mm -hmm. baptist churches um his whole life and I just love my grandpa. Um, he was a hero to me. I spent so many weekends and summers with him. And I'd always sit on the front front pew of his church. And while he was preaching, you know, little eight-year-old me would be up there taking notes, you know, <laughs> just, trying, just trying to please him, I think. Yeah. Him to know just how much I honored who he was and what he was about. And after the service would be over, when he would stand in the back and greet people as they walked out of the church, I'd stand right by him and see him shake their hands and hear them, you know, just share with him their gratitude. And I remember just being so proud of my grandpa, so proud that he was my grandpa. I loved him and I saw that the man who did that on Sundays was the same person I saw throughout the week. He was the real deal. He loved Jesus. He loved the people of the church. Uh, He loved getting to tell the stories. And and so there was something in me just as a little bitty kid that was already realizing that our life was about something bigger than ourselves. (laughs) And that there is this great gift in showing up to God and to God's people. Mm. Um, And so uh, when I was 16, I had like the very typical kind of Baptist kid, teenager calling story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was at summer camp and it was like the last night, you know, (laughs) um, the pastor was giving the altar call and um, did the whole, if you want to be saved, raise your hand. I already done that. Check, check. (laughs) Um, Let me baptize, raise your hand. already done that. And um, and then he said, you know, if you feel that God's calling you into ministry, Mm. um, come forward. 
I never really even thought about it before that mm. moment, but 16 years old, maybe I was sleep deprived. I don't know. Um, but just everything in me was overtaken for the first mm. time by the Holy spirit. And I felt like pushed into the aisle. I mean, I, mm. my heart was beating. I felt everything was kind of spinning around. I mean, it was this very surreal experience at the moment. I don't know if I knew it was the spirit. I just knew I had to go forward. I mean, right. it was just pushing me. And, and I've learned now how the spirit really gets my attention. And I was like, oh, that was the spirit. So I went <laughs> yeah. and said, you know, I'm called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, and at that point, what it, what made sense to me was a missionary. Yeah. Um, I had been on mission trips with <clears> the <throat> group, loved them. Um, and that's what Baptist girls were. <laughs> they were missionaries. Mm-hmm. You know, Lottie Moon was our hero. Um, and so the, from that point on, I mean, it was for real. Like I knew that God mm-hmm. had told me I was going to ministry and I was going to be a missionary. And so that was my focus for college. I did mission trips every chance I got. Um, right when college was over, a month later, I was on the mission field for two years, Middle East, um, and loved it, loved mm-hmm. everything about it. Um, I was fully alive as a missionary. Yeah. And so sometimes people, you know, to Baptist pastor, female pastors are like, well, you know, why, why wouldn't you do this? I was like, I was happy doing all the mm-hmm. things. I was happy being a missionary. I was thrilled being a missionary. I loved it. Um, but there was one night I was in a little village town in Egypt and I had had coffee with a friend and we had talked for like three hours. It was just this mm. really sweet time together. She was Muslim. And as we talked, we were just so both of us so open about our faith, about mm. our relationship with God. She told me about how she prayed to Allah and how she heard God's voice and mm. how God gave her peace. And like my like little black and white Baptist kid mind was just blown you know it's like <laughs> i can't speak to you like you don't know the name of jesus mm. uh, and you know i was i was just so intrigued perplexed confused moved and i came home from that coffee and i pulled out my computer and i immediately began to write a letter back to my home church mm. and i just i was telling them about this conversation and i realized i just wanted them to be a part yeah of the journey, all these things that were being revealed to me, like I had to share it with them. I wanted them to come along and I pushed send on the email and that same feeling that had mm-hmm. happened back at youth camp overcame me again, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden it was like God was just right there. And I heard in my heart the way God speaks to me so clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he said, he said, Jamie, as much as you love what you're doing here, he said, I have put in you this deep love for the church mm. said, just hold on to that. Mm. And I had no idea what to do with that. That yeah. I knew it was real. And the second that I heard that, I was like, yeah, I, I mean, of course, like that one of those things that you don't know that you've always known. You yeah. Know? And, and it's almost like I'm at the well, like the person that told me everything about myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, God, it just told me something that I like, I knew, but I didn't know that I knew. And right when he said, you just love the church. It's like, yes, I do. Since I was a little bitty kid, I've loved the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've longed to be a, like right front and center, a part of whatever's happening in the church. Um, and so I held on to that and I was finishing up my time overseas and, um, and began to look at seminaries, still going to be a missionary because mm-hmm. I still kind of knew, but I did 
know that I was looking for seminaries that were Baptist because that was important to me, but that would at least have room for me to explore what's this thing that started in my heart about loving yeah. the church. And that brought me to Truett because um, they were they were open to women exploring their calling. And so a year into seminary, I was doing a dual degree um, with Master of Divinity, Master of Social Work, and I was going to go back and be a missionary, somehow do social work overseas. Um, and a year in, I won't get into that whole story because it's a long one, but speak <laughs> in my life that God spoke probably three, four different times, so mm. directly, so clearly to my heart and said, Jamie, I'm not calling you to be a social worker. I'm calling you to be a pastor. Wow. And I just, trust me. I need you to drop plan B and mm. just put this in your heart. Trust me. Let me pave the way. Just trust me. Wow. Uh, and by the end of that week, I dropped social work and I said, okay, I'm in. Mm. Um, and so that that's, the calling story yeah it's amazing brought tears to my eyes I, yeah. I mean I think I've probably heard that probably 10 times before <laughs> but um yeah it's so beautiful to hear how God was directing you and speaking to you specifically and repeatedly and graciously and that you had the faith and the boldness to follow him um it does make me wonder, should we be providing those types of opportunities for young women in our churches now of, do you feel a sense of a call to ministry? Do you feel that this could be a possibility for, for you in your life? Um, I see some young women and even young girls in our church that I could see pursuing a path of ministry. And I don't know what avenues or what um, areas of support we could maybe give to them to see if that might be a possibility for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I still remember as if it was yesterday, the first time that my youth minister, Southern Baptist Church, so it wasn't normal. I don't even know if it was edgy for him, but I was probably a sophomore in high school and he invited me to give the Wednesday night teaching, mm. Wednesday night lesson. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember, but I remember that, like, yeah, just because there was somebody who saw me, who opened up space for me. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when this call to preach came years later, that that little seed that was planted that night made me think maybe, maybe this is possible. I didn't grow up mm -hmm. seeing women pastors right. I to teach once. And it was, <laughs> and it yeah. was good, and and mm. I'm so grateful for that male youth minister, mm. a completely male-led church, that let a 16-year-old girl just teach Wednesday night. It seems so small to him, probably, mm. but here I am, 37, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. You know? Um, and I and I love like that's one of the fun things about getting to pastor a small church, is I'm the children's minister and the youth minister and the pastor. <laughs> Uh, which can also be not fun, but yeah. on Sundays, um, you know, you, we really do get to really know our young ones personally. Mm -hmm. well, they're not lost in the crowd. There's right. like, them. there's like, you know, there's like 20 kids, 20 youth. Mm -hmm. And so we get to know their unique personalities and the unique ways they see the world and their unique little gifts they have for the world. And I find, especially in a town like Belfair, that just tears people down in so yeah. many ways any chance there is to just name something of the heart of Jesus that I see in them mm. and just celebrate it with them it's it's 
the good stuff, you know, yeah. it is healing. And I think they don't forget that when their pastor, when their youth minister says, you know, so-and-so like, oh my gosh, did you know that you're like different than the kids <laughs> around you? Because you mm. have this part of your heart that's just incredible. That is your light in the world. What a mm. gift. I mean, they, they don't forget that. Yeah. And so opportunities to give an opening prayer, to read scripture. Mm. Um, and, and then when there's not opportunities, just those looking for Jesus in the other, um, looking for the, the fingerprints of God uniquely on his children and just calling them into the light, you know, mm-hmm. so they, so they see what we see in themselves yeah. and begin to think, huh. Maybe I could, maybe I could do that one day because pastor mm. says so, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so maybe those small areas of affirmation or opportunities for leading in worship in some way. Um, did you face any resistance in your journey to becoming a pastor or to preaching or any other role that you've had as a woman in ministry? Yeah, I mean, so originally, just even within the family, so so my grandpa, who was my biggest hero, he did not get it, you mm. know, um, and that broke my heart. Uh, the, you know, my grandparents were so proud of me when I went overseas and was a missionary because there's nothing greater for a Southern <laughs> Baptist, you know, grandparents to have a kid on the mission field, a mm. grandkid. Um, and then whenever, whenever I, I just knew I was called a pastor and told my, I wasn't even going to tell my grandpa because he was in his nineties. Well, I can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's like, why even, why even bother? Like he's us soon enough and it'll all be made clear. (laughs) So like I had no need to like rock his world. Mm. Uh, And I was at my mom's house one evening to just tell her what was going on in my life. And grandpa was there. They were, they would come over a lot for dinner and stuff. And he was on the couch or in a chair and he was like sleeping like mouth open, snoring, like <laughs> out, like sleeping. And so, so my mom and I were just sitting in the living room. And I was just kind of telling her, you know, mom, crazy thing. This is all that one week that I was not going to tell the story about. I was like, mom, um, you know, God's doing something in my life mm-hmm. and he's calling me to be a pastor. I'm supposed to drop social work and just do this one thing. And mm-hmm. she and I had this great conversation. She was like, I've seen this in you all along. I'm like, oh, you could have told me that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um, so affirming. And I went, I went home, I was done. And my grandpa at dinner that night to my mom brought up the whole conversation. <laughs> so he was like totally faking being asleep, like, like such a, such a punk. Um, and he like, and he was not on board, you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, why would she want to do that? She can do all these other things, you know, why would she do this one thing that, you know, that she's not supposed to. And, um, he, and I just, he just really struggled with it. Um, and the coolest thing with that is that when Matt at first Baptist invited me to preach, it's just a seminary student. I wasn't on staff yet on a Sunday night. Um, I, I invited my grandpa to come Mm. and I made sure in the sermon that I talked about just his role in my life Mm. so i so i tied him in and at the end of that evening matt asked my grandpa to pray the prayer of blessing over me Mm. and that's all it took that's all it took was just him coming and being in the presence of what god was doing in me and through me and and it was no longer a female pastor issue it was that's Mm. changing 
and yeah. preaching the same truth that I preach, you know, mm. and um, it was this beautiful healing thing. And so, and I had some other like aunts and uncles that, you know, didn't agree. They didn't really talk to me directly, which is more hurtful. It was more mm -hmm. just they quit talking to you or just through the grapevine you hear. Um, I went to a pretty conservative Christian college. And so I had some dear college friends that, um, same thing, like kind of quit talking to me or just kind of let me know that they were praying for me, you know, like they're not like <laughs> the ministry, yeah. like praying for your soul. Um, <laughs> so I was like, thanks. I think I'm saved still, but thank you. Um, and so there was that. And then there's more, the resistance, I mean, even coming here, you know, um, there's people, there's people that it's still weird to. So mm. there's people that won't even give you a chance that won't ever come to your church because you're a female pastor. Um, people that left the church right off the bat because they called a female and, you mm. know, without even, without even seeing, could the spirit be in this, you know, right. giving me a chance. And there was, I mean, I remember still, there was a man that I was pastor for, for three years and we, you know, I cared for him and his family. Um, he sat in my office and bore his heart multiple mm -hmm. times. And I was there for him. Like we had a real connection. And three years in, he's like, you know, he's like, I know it's just my ego, but I still am having just a hard time having a female pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, He's like, I'm just having a hard time, you know, learning from a woman. And, and then he left and it's, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. It's like, man, you know, and I had another, another gentleman, you know, that, said, you know, it's just not really fair for us men because we don't have, you know, a pastor to go to for counseling and all. And I'm like, what do you think the women in the church have done yeah. all the years up until now? Like, you <laughs> right. know, it's not like, so it's kind of some of that closed-mindedness mm. where you just get written off before they even give you a chance to mm. be their pastor or to love them and, you know, and to share God's heart with them. Um, you face that all the time. Um, and, and that's why I'm grateful for a calling that was very clear and very persistent from God, because God knows, he knows the path ahead is not just roses and that there is resistance and that there are really hard days. And there are people that leave without ever even trying to take you seriously. Um, and if I was looking to all of them for my affirmation and approval, I would, have quit a long time ago, mm. but it's that constant reminder of God saying, I'm the one who called you. I'm mm. faithful. Remember, this was what I was doing. You were going to do this and this and this. This right. was the one thing that I was doing. And so you can keep on because um, there is resistance. It's just, it's still new enough and different enough and a little countercultural enough that it makes people, not everybody, but there's always some that are a bit uncomfortable with it. And rather than lean into discomfort, we run from it. Or, yeah. Know, and, um, but those who stick around and wonder if God might speak to them in a new way through a new voice, hmm. where you, not just for me, but in general, like when I stick around and keep my ears and heart open to somebody different, someone on the margin, someone I haven't heard from before. Mm -hmm. I'm almost always blessed and better for it. You know? Yeah. Um, it's when we run from the fear and discomfort that we miss out. Mm. Wow. That's a really good word. Ah, I just like want to see you and just have more time together because we used to get I to see do. each other like almost every day um, and just have lots of time to process. But you've been a huge just light and encouragement to me along the way. Um, so, well, likewise, yeah. 
Yes, likewise. <laughs> well, would you mind just closing us in prayer? Because I'm getting a little emotional. So <laughs> <laughs> don't um, run from the discomfort. Lean in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Father God, thank you so much for the gift of technology um, that I can see my dear friend Rachel and that we can share our hearts and our stories today. I thank you for the people of the Vine Church, uh, people that I don't know personally, and yet brothers and sisters in you, thank you that you make us one, oh God. Lord, I thank you for a church that's willing to um, listen in on different kinds of conversations to hear how your kingdom comes and, mm -hmm. um, oh gosh, a multitude of ways. Uh, how the heart of God is this heart for all people to come to the table and share the good news of who you are, of your son's love for us. Um, and so often you care less about how that good news comes, just that it comes, that your people are faithful to be your witnesses in this world. And so I pray for Belfair Community Church and I pray for the Vine Church and all the churches in between us. Mm -hmm that we would be your salt and your light, that we would be um, your hands and your feet, that we would be proclaimers of your good news, men and women, boys and girls, um, senior adults and toddlers just alike. Um, let us be your people more and more in our world that so desperately needs to see your people fully alive. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much.